The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So... Go to podsurvey.com slash goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball. G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Thanks for your help. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Dardy. Joined, as always, this Monday, Tuesday. I'm not going to tell you what day it actually is. I can't take you, can't give every secret away That's right. about the show. It's Monday. Um, where I'm with Danny Carter today. We're going to be breaking down all the biggest developments from week six, looking ahead to week seven, talking about the earth-shaking Robbie Anderson trade, the earth-shaking Kenyon Drake takeover of the Ravens back. I'm, I am saying this in a mocking tone, but it is big news, actually. Yeah, you're, it's, you're not you're not emoting enough. I, no. I think I think people are going to hear that and be like, "Earth, oh, this is important." Okay, and like the Packers backfield still being weird, the Rams backfield being weird, Alec Pierce, a lot of good stuff to get to. But did it, the listeners might be tired of hearing us use the phrase "down bad" already. But that's a I, fun phrase. It's a fun phrase, and I guess I'm never not sure I've ever seen anyone more down bad <laughs> than the rookie, undrafted rookie Patriot special teamer who recovered a fumble, tried to give it to Bill Belichick on the sideline, and Bill Belichick was like a post-World War II dad telling his son he wasn't going to hug him. <laughs> right. And it was one of the more heartbreaking moments I've ever witnessed on uh, and the, And there was an assistant coach who had to come grab the rookie by the shoulder <laughs> and say, kid. What are you doing? Get a, get away. Get away from him. You We never speak to Mr. Belichick, sir. Son. Right. Um, You're not supposed to talk to him. Like who who do you think you are? Uh Bill Belichick has like a clause in his contract. Special teamers are not to make eye contact. And but it's true. No one talks to Belichick. If you think about if you think about all the times you've seen him roam the sidelines, he, he screams at refs. He'll occasionally scream at a like an assistant assistant coach. <laughs> And and that's about it. Like no one's coming up to him. Like he's not talking to anybody. So so th- this this was out of nowhere. Has this kid never? He's never watched the Patriots. It, it, it looked like you know what it looked like. It looked like a it looked like a mob underling coming to the boss <laughs> in his office and trying or like a to hubcap like, or something that he had just stolen. Yeah, try, <laughs> and trying to like be buddy buddy with them. And then some like the lieutenant, the the mob boss's lieutenant, has to come in and be like, hey. 
what are you doing? You you understand that you just put your life in danger. So right? listen, he's not gonna whack you this time, but you do it again. You never know. <laughs> right. uh, you never know. I've been watching The Sopranos, by the way. Yeah, I have not. And uh, sorry to our Italian American listeners. I'm like a quarter Italian, by the way. Supposedly. Um, mm. I mean, I'm American, oh. so I'm everything. I'm sorry <laughs> but, to hear that. Uh, yeah. So you don't. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, come on. I could have done a better Mario voice than Chris Pratt. I'll say that. Um, something, by the way, you will never unhear if you're a viewer of Bob's Burgers. Um, people have been pointing out that the Chris Pratt Mario voice sounds like the mother from Bob's Burgers. Oh, really? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you will never ever unhear it, hear it that he sounds like Linda from Bob's Burgers, and you will never ever unhear that. But you made an interesting observation. You said you've never seen anyone talking to Bill Belichick on the sideline, and that really is true. Like the CBS cameras could like never even find like Tom Brady. No, talking to they, Bill they never talked. And you know who's not talking to Tom Brady anymore, Denny? Yeah. Are any of his coaches or teammates? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they seem like they're not into him right now. You know, he he lays into the offensive line yesterday, and like literally nothing changed. He, sc- he screamed. He screamed at his offensive line more than you scream at me and Crane and Dvorak before <laughs> uh, before our Thursday podcast. <laughs> screaming himself hoarse about an email reply that someone sent and. <laughs> You know, people not control effing themselves in the Google Doc. <laughs> no, Brady just screaming at his offensive line. And yeah, then after the game, so I wrote about this in my Monday column, how like the vibes, like his stats aren't really that bad, Tom Brady's. His, I think a lot of it's because like an artificially low touchdown rate. His touchdown rate's only 3.2. It's been like six the past two years. Like even in his leanest Patriot years, it's usually over four. Yeah, I think like he's still the number seven rated PFF quarterback. The yards per attempt is like in the mid sixes, not very good. But his stats are mostly fine. The eye test is still mostly fine. He's surviving his offensive line because he's just so savvy. But like the vibes are bad. Where <laughs> maybe everyone's projecting what we're reading about his personal life, but like it doesn't seem like he's having fun. And then yeah, you wanted to talk about this comment. Yeah, Todd Bowles made it for the game. It was like two paragraphs. Do you have it? I can read it if you don't have it. Yeah, I, I have it. And by the way, it was in uh, it was in Pat's uh, Sunday aftermath column, which is on NBCSportsEdge.com. If you'd like to check that out, good read as always. Uh, so here's here's what here's what Pat wrote. Uh, the Fox cameras caught a rather vicious Brady dressing down of his offensive line near the end of the first half on Sunday. Nothing changed after the break. Afterward, Coach Todd Bowles not so subtly alluded to players, quote, living off the Super Bowl. (laughs) He continues, this is Todd Bowles continuing, you've got to get your hands dirty and go to work like everybody else. Uh, We've been working hard and we've got to work harder. Nobody's going to give us anything. Nobody's going to feel sorry. We've got to to go back as coaches, as players. The time for talking is over. You either got to put up or you got to shut up. And, uh, you know, this comes after uh, what uh, Tom Brady? What two days? He before? attended a Friday evening wedding of his former employer, Robert Kraft. Friday right. evening in New York City, when he had a football game in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on Sunday. And, and yeah, and I also took a vacation during training camp, uh, uh, like indeterminate length. Like it seemed like it was only going to be like a week. Then I think yeah. it stretched to almost two weeks. It was it a, a, basically a two week, that. a two week vacation in the middle of. Yeah, I, I I get the sense that, um, as you said, and as the Zoomers are saying, the vibes are off in Tampa. 
And like too, like like I also said in the column, like not even Bill Belichick ever like kind of was like that thinly veiled and like no. criticizing Tom Brady in public. Like every once in a while, you'd get like a one or two word criticism of Brady with like a non-answer. We'd be like, he's the quarterback. Um, yeah, he would just say something <laughs> that kind of felt like a shocking subtweet in like yeah. terms of Belichicky, but like it was still, it was never like an expansive quote about. Yeah, we kind of wish our quarterback would try harder. Yeah, right. Um, get his hands dirty. I mean, dang, like that. And that it's because like Brady still seems totally prepared and stuff when he's on, but like it must be creating like resentment and like like uh, you know chemistry issues. And, well, uh, you know, I I was thinking we were talking before the show. It seems like there's an issue between Bowles and Brady, but it also seemed like there was an issue between Bo- uh, Brady and and Bruce Arians. And and there, remember all those rumors about. Well, the only way Brady would come back is if Arians left. And then mysteriously he left. And they claimed it had nothing to do with Brady. And now he doesn't – him and the new coach don't seem to be on great terms. So I'm wondering who it is that is causing all this. Well, it's it's almost like an area, not to excuse Brady, where you do almost become like a victim of your own success. When you become like a Brady level, LeBron James level, like Cristiano Ronaldo level, like superstar in your sport – like you almost basically do get to pick the coach. Like no one tells you no, because how can you tell the greatest player in their sport? No. Yeah. And you get away with it most of the time, but then there does become a point. We stop getting away, away with it. You're three and three all of a sudden. Like the thing is about Brady. I really do think it's still like all right there for the taking for him. He doesn't seem to be in like physical decline. No. Or anything. Somehow the supporting cast is still good. Like it's kind of like up to Brady basically if he wants to write the ship, which I'm sure he methodically does. He probably hasn't like slept um, in two days. Right. right. No, 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 no. He's not like Russell Wilson. Now that that guy, he probably sleeps more when he. That's slept. true. Yeah, he probably slept 14 hours after the craft wedding in, in, a, in one of those chambers that uh, enhances sleep. That so that so that like four hours of sleep equals 15 hours of sleep. Uh, but I will say that I think Brady actually gets worked up when he gets knocked around a little bit. Like he comes back to the sideline and tells coaches and players, this is not part of the program. Me no. getting hit, that that's not happening. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but you may not let them hit me. And no. <laughs> I think, I, 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 think uh, I think he was pretty annoyed about that. And yeah, well, basically, I think the whole reason we're having this conversation was, it's like fans, like there's been like inescapable chatter on the internet, talk radio, whatever. Like Brady doesn't seem like he's having fun. You know, like, Brady doesn't seem like he's committed this year. And I just thought it was notable where like Todd Bowles, I feel like was basically like confirming like our suspicions. Yeah. And basically confirming that like all is not right. Something's got to change. My guess is that it will change because I I don't want to ever talk about, yeah, just like we're not going to talk about his personal life, but like I get the feeling he's going to be really, really zeroed in for the the stretch run of the season. Yeah. yeah, I'm done doubting Tom Brady. I doubted him for 20 years. I'm done doing it. (laughs) So we talked about the biggest star in the NFL, Denny. Now it's time to talk about Kenyon Drake. Um, who, <laughs> the second uh, biggest star in the NFL. Yeah, he's one of the biggest stars. We thought he was left for dead. All of a sudden, 10 carries, 119 yards, a tutter, as they're called these days. Now tutter, tutty, whatever you want to call it, touchdown, whatever the Zoomers are calling these things that count as six points. He had four runs of 20-plus yards, I believe. He had yeah, a 30-yard touchdown. J.K. Dobbins is not looking right. He wasn't feeling right on Sunday in the Meadowlands. Uh, they said his knee stiffened up on turf that John Harbaugh conveniently already complained about after playing there earlier this year. Is Kenyon Drake someone we care about in fantasy again? 
Yeah, Harbaugh complains a lot about. He is a I hate to say it, he's kind of a whiner. He's whiner. he he does whine. Uh, that's the analytics, actually. It, it actually is analytics. Seth Walder has a piece on it um, about <laughs> the whining of he quantified it. He whines more than any other coach in the NFL. That's right. Yeah. So Drake uh, went ballistic on only ten carries against the Giants. The Giants, of course, being one of the worst rush defenses in the league. It was Mike Davis, however, who got uh, the goal line snaps against New York and also Justice Hill uh, could return from his hamstring injury in week seven. There's also uh, the specter of Gus Edwards looming over. I love specters. You got to love a good specter. And, uh, and, <laughs> and know, Gus specters Edwards, only loom, by the it, way. Right. Spe- they don't do anything else. They just, no, they just no, hover. Yeah. Once <laughs> you can get over their looming, like the specter goes away pretty quickly. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, so we have Gus Edwards hovering over this situation as well. He will eventually land and he will, and he could, and he could, you know, see, see like a, a good workload, whether, whether or not Dobbins is, is active and healthy. I, I, I think this is a complete mirage. I'm begging folks not to get too excited. In fact, you're not allowed to get excited about Kenyon Drake. Stop it. <laughs> I was, I don't know if complete, complete mirage is a bit strong because like if Justice Hill was going to be a thing, he would have already been a thing. Well, he now. was about to, though. I, he, he he's thing. always Justice Hill is the ultimate <laughs> about to player. I'm not too worried about Justice Hill. You had to think, no, this is a team that wants to be run first, that has no wide receivers, hadn't had like a good running back performance all year, basically, until Kenyon Drake yesterday. He's like at an age where he like shouldn't be like totally washed or anything like that. J.K. Dobbins' knees clearly not responding the way either he or the team wants it. And I do think, like, I, I think Kenyon Drake's worth adding. I, I do agree. Like, it's the class that you could get him off waivers and immediately be so sad that you started him. Like, <laughs> six carries for 24 yards, one reception for eight yards. And you're just like, like, why do I even play fantasy football? <laughs> like, that kind of ad. But I think that you do, unfortunately, need to add him. because I don't know, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Look, 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 look. I'm telling you. I'm actually trying to help you avoid <laughs> that situation where you wonder where you, you end up on Sunday night going, why do I do this to myself? Why do I do this? There's no guarantee that Kenyon Drake is going to see 10, 10 carries. Also, we're talking about 10 carries. Okay. It's like Alan Iverson. We're talking about practice. It doesn't matter. Like, like Kenyon, Kenyon Drake, I'm sorry. He's not going to do anything on 10 carries going forward. I, I think that we saw his, his, ceiling 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 scenario yeah yeah you're right it was a true outlier game and i i I, and and justice hill the coach the coaching staff including harbaugh really likes him dobbins could be back edwards mike davis taking goal line lamar jackson taking rushes i mean it's it all it all aligns perfectly so that Kenyon drake cannot succeed you actually are correct i think you you actually did just truly convince me yeah i don't know if i'll even add him (laughs) <laughs> oh, there you go. I got a convert. I got one. You did get a convert. You don't have to convert me on the next guy. We're going to talk about Wandale Robinson. I've been kind of waiting on this one for a while since he got injured real early in week one. You know, second round pick. So real time, big time draft capital. Someone um, that, uh, man, what is this? Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News came on our podcast. Yes. He talked up how much they loved him. Uh, their receiver situation has not gotten better in the intervening five weeks. They need uh, quality targets really bad. He gave them some yesterday. He gave them some rushing uh, rushing or two. I think he had a carry or two maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a receiving touchdown. 
clearly someone with a bright future this season. Should we be excited about it? I, so I added Wandale Robinson in a bunch of leagues in the build up to this game, but he's yeah. still available in a ton of leagues. Uh, should he be a priority this week, Denny? Yes. Yes. Uh, in, in a, a week where there's like not um, like a screaming, like must get guy on the waiver wire. I think Wandale makes as much sense as anyone in 12 team leagues. He's only rostered in 8% of leagues. So folks uh, uh, did not exactly follow my advice in the waiver wire column. And just saying, we talked and wrote about him last week too. Yeah. So, oh, well, but uh, you know, he Never is out there now. I will say he was definitely eased in to the giants offense uh, against the the Ravens. Um, he only ran a route. How would you say? I was just making a terrible joke. Sorry. Um, he, he, uh, he only ran around on 34% of Daniel Jones dropbacks. Um, two thirds of his routes originated in the slot. Uh, he caught three of four targets for 37 yards and a touchdown. I, I will say, you know, peripheral stuff looked good. Like uh, he led by a huge margin. He led all giants pass catchers in yards per route run against, against Baltimore. I, I think with, with more time, to integrate him into the offense. And remember, we're talking about a guy who was a, a, an excellent, productive, highly productive rusher and receiver, a high, a hybrid player for much of his college career until his final season when he converted fully to wide to wide out and did quite well. So, you know, uh, he's the productivity history is on his side. I could see in the coming weeks this Giants offense becoming uh, him, and Saquon Barkley, and basically no one else. I was going to say, don't don't throw the other guy in there at this point. I thought you were going to maybe say Kadarius Tony. No, 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 <laughs> no. no I'm, I, even even I have given up. I mean, the the CIA has got to be close to admitting that Kadarius Tony never existed, and it was a government program meant to like increase raise morale for like beleaguered Northeastern football fans, and it just got a little carried away. Yeah, and you know, uh, I've I've read on the internet that Stanley Kubrick made. Uh, you know, made the Kadarius Tony highlights from 2021 <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that there is no proof that it actually happened. Kadarius Tony has always been at the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> Kadarius Tony has never not been in the Overlook Hotel. That's right. Um, and but this Wandale Robinson, yep. perfect alignment of need for the Giants. They need his targets. Skill, clearly a very skilled, versatile player. Draft capital, you know, a new brain trust in there. One of the only. One of their only guys, you know, they yeah. actually got the pick. Um, so it should be uh, really, really – things should be going really – nowhere to go but up for one day. Yeah, well, and th- there's no target competition, you know. I mean, like uh, Richie James, like Richie James gets like a full complement of snaps and does nothing. Uh, uh, Sills is just running empty routes at this point. Uh, Slayton had that little – you know, little mini breakout against the Packers, but then nothing this past week. So um, Robinson could be really interesting in 12-team leagues, especially in PPR. I was about to make another shining joke, and I couldn't think of a good one. There's got to be some room to 237 Kadarius Tony jokes. <laughs> he's in there. Yeah, he's still in there. Gosh, what's the bartender's name? Lloyd. Uh, he's ordered, he just ordered a drink from Lloyd. There you go. Um, but yeah, Kadarius really would like if you proved you were real coming up. I still actually do have you in a few leagues. I do too. I do um, so too. not not never owned uh, at all there. He's <laughs> uh, mentioned empty routes, Denny. Yes. Robbie Anderson was a world champion of those uh, in Carolina this season. 
kind of through no fault of his own, a situation that has kept spiraling. I mean, he wasn't helping it, but like who really could help the Carolina Panthers offensive situation? He like, some people are saying, you know, he kind of pulled an Antonio Brown in week six, where it's really, he kind of pulled like the anti Antonio Brown, where like he wanted to play like too badly, was like just begging to be yeah. targeted more and in the game more. And instead of leaving the field, he would not stop yelling at his coaches. And finally, they made him leave the field. He's now been traded to the Arizona Cardinals. I thought he'd get released. A really lucky outcome for him. Well, maybe not. Maybe now he can't salary double dip. I don't know what the offset language is in this contract. Yeah, sure. But he's in Arizona where Marquise Brown appears he's going to miss the next six weeks with a leg injury. DeAndre Hopkins is coming off suspension this week. They play on Thursday night against the Saints. So a lot going on here. I, I, I just set it up to make it sound as confusing as possible. Mm-hmm. What, what do we tell the folks? Yeah about Robbie Anderson on the Cardinals. I actually, I think that is fairly straightforward, even though that the situation is, is a little confusing and uh, tumultuous. I, I think it's straightforward in that uh, the Cardinals just lost their only downfield pass catcher in Marquise Brown. And a Robbie small Anderson, foot fracture, our producer Adam points out, small foot fracture. Right. He didn't fracture the large foot. He fractured no. <laughs> the smaller of the two. Uh, I shouldn't joke about injuries, but still, uh, and yet you do. Yet you do. Funny, funny wording. Funny wording. Sickening. Uh, <laughs> <Sorry. disgusting. laughs> uh, so Marquise Brown had forty percent of the Cardinals' air yards. That was the fifth highest air yards rate uh, among all NFL receivers. Just to give you an idea of uh, Brown is the only game in town downfield. Zach Ertz is second on the Cardinals with twenty percent air yard share. Um, so I think Robbie Anderson should be able to slide right in there and be the downfield threat. Now, does that make him reliable, a reliable fantasy option? Of course not. Of course not. Especially since our buddy, Rich Rebar of sharp football focus, uh, pointed out, uh, by any measure, Kyler Murray is the worst downfield passer in the NFL this season. It's so weird. Uh, not to keep your train of thought, but he's got such a, a explosive arm and yet he turned DeAndre Hopkins, who was always an elite downfield sideline threat, into a compiler. He's turned Marquise Brown into a compiler, like good for fantasy, but no th- nothing breaking down the field. And like, I, what, what's he going to do with Robbie Anderson? Yeah, right. And and so you're talking about like wide receiver four with some upside if he hits on one of the, the long throws. Now, I mean, Robbie Anderson is a really good, fast downfield uh, pass catcher. Uh, he showed he showed as much in, in, in week one when he had 44% of the Panthers air yards. He uh, went for 102 yards on five catches, caught a touch, a long touchdown against the Browns. So, you know, it hasn't been that long since we've seen that downfield ability. Um, and, and I, I think Ertz and Rondell Moore and De- DeAndre Hopkins, who's due back from his suspension this week, they will eat up the short and intermediate stuff. And Anderson will get whatever is left for, for, you know, downfield shots. Um, you know, but again, it's going to be volatile. It's not going to be fun to roster Robbie Anderson. And just, yeah. Kyler Murray has kind of become like a, a one of our favorite jokes, like a, a this time it counts with his deep threat. We're like, I, know. Yeah, I just don't like he, had, he's never met a deep threat that he couldn't turn into Deontay Johnson, basically. A Christian yeah. Kirk was the same deal. Yeah, exactly. It's, and he has like a beautiful deep ball. He has the arm strength. Maybe he genuinely does not have the field vision. I don't I mean like like the I mean, literal physical vision. Well, 
I mean, it could be the downside of having a five eight quarterback. Yeah, come on, man. What? And that's that's what I was saying too. I was just trying to make it sound like you were the only I'm one. Sorry, but shaming him. Look, as as my dad would say, he's too short. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> too short. And for a long time, I dismissed it and I threw a bunch of stats. There. No, no, you don't understand. It's this and that. And that. I'm sorry. He's too short. Because yeah, uh, he really does have the arm strength, so I'm kind of running out of explanations <laughs> where it could be other than he's kind of short. And I mean, no, I mean, I, listen, I'm five ten at my max. No, you're so not. I, we get it. We get it. You're lying. No, you're like you're you're like five eleven and a half. Well, I'm five ten, dog. I'm five ten. Well, then what am I? <laughs> so people say when you say you're five ten, you're actually five nine. I am legitimately five ten. I used to say I was five nine. Then every time, even with shoes off, when I went to the doctor, I kept measuring as 5'10". So I, I, I comfortably came out into the world as a 5'10 man. You know what? It takes a lot of confidence as as a grown man to say that you're under six foot because everybody lies about that. Everybody lies about that. Yeah, I'm six if you, two. If you're if you, if you're within shouting distance of six foot, you're six two. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, there's never. I've never met a six foot even man in my entire life. <laughs> no, no one's ever six foot even. Five eleven, you're six two. Exactly. So Robbie Anderson, though, he's like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, too. So maybe that was some solidarity with Kyler Murray. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, wide receiver four is like his ceiling. Um, sorry, we've, we're, we've been getting out there today. Um, I forgot what we're even talking about. <laughs> uh, waivers? Robbie Anderson. Uh, now we're talking you, – you, the way you describe the Green Bay Packers – so I wrote in my article, basically it's like why – do the Packers refuse to use Aaron Jones when they need receiving so bad, they need running so bad, yet he hasn't caught more than three passes all year. I think he hasn't drawn more than like – he's drawn 23 total targets, Aaron yeah. Jones. He somehow remains in like a total like carries split with A.J. Dillon, who has just appeared to be aggressively not very good. I do think A.J. Dillon <laughs> is good. But like he hasn't appeared good in this offensive environment. He's not being set up for success – like his predictable bruising runs, like aren't playing very well in this offense right now. And just what is going on with the Packers offense and why, like, why are they not making, they paid Aaron Jones so much money. Why yeah. would he not be a greater? Uh, well, uh, they're running the same offense, the same very slow paced offense without the main cog in that offense. It was Devonte Adams, like the chain mover, like the automatic 10 yard, uh, a 10 yard completion from Rogers to Adams he he made it work. He made this system work and it hinged on his ability and his production and his efficiency, him and Rogers combined efficiency. So you strip that away and you have a slightly more run heavy approach with, you know, a bottom five receiver room uh, without, without Adams. I'm being generous, I think. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it can't, it can't work like that. Some, like Matt LaFleur has to change something, has to alter something going forward, whether it's the pace of the offense, uh, whether it's more hurry up, whether it's more Aaron Jones or whatever, but th- this, what they're doing can't work. And they are, I, th- I would say all in a, on a trajectory to probably miss the postseason. Yeah. Where it's like the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I look at them and I just like, can't really find a reason to think that they won't write the ship, especially in the division that they're in. Whereas the Packers, there's no way to sugarcoat losing to the Giants and Jets back to back. I mean, especially the Jets and Lambeau Field. There's yeah. no way to sugar because the Jets' defense isn't even good. Like, no, there's no not. way to sugarcoat that loss. Like, it was maybe the most genuinely concerning loss 
any team has suffered all year. Um, yeah, it is. And it was dominant. It was dominant. It was. Uh, it, was. it was like, that. so this is my life. I'll tell you people a little window into my world. Uh, really important two quarterback league. I've been forced to start Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers can't even create negative game script for Zach Wilson anymore and force the guy to throw a few passes. Like, oh. is this really what the world has come to? Yeah. Uh, well, an- another thing that doesn't help the Packers is that they're bottom three in EPA given up against the rush. Uh, they're they're, they're getting, a horrible run defense. They're getting, they're getting run over by everyone. And even against stack boxes, Brees Hall was finding success on Sunday. So you have the other, the, you know, the opponent can, can grind down the clock, can control the ball and your offense is slow and not in any kind of particular hurry to like put points up on the board or like get things going, you know? And so that, that those two things combined, you it's a, I think it's a very fragile way to approach the game. And I, I think the Packers uh, model has kind of broken. It is, and they could. It's frustrating because I feel like they could easily adjust. Aaron Rodgers is one of like the greatest like point guard distributor type, so accurate to every level mm-hmm. of the field. Like you could, I think, convert pretty quickly to like a quick hitting passing attack. I mean, Packers fans used to be radicalized by how many slants that they threw, but bring right. back some slants. I mean, <laughs> do something, uh, anything, anything other than this. Uh, I mean, Rogers has got to just be wishing he retired. <laughs> like, I think like, even more than Brady. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I mean, bo- both of those guys just want this to be over. <laughs> they, do. <laughs> they do. They do. Like Aaron Rodgers, man. Like I lost to Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs again, man. Like I, I don't, know, man. Like gave yeah. it my all. Uh, I mean, oh my god. It, what if what if he has to retire after missing the playoffs? Oh god. Well, he's not. They they paid him way too much money, so he's not retiring. But man, they why? How has Robbie Anderson not ended up in the Green Bay Packers yet? Like, there's been like three times that the Packers needed to acquire Robbie Anderson. The Packers, yeah, the Packers refuse to acknowledge they have a problem. They really do, actually, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they they have a huge problem. I mean. I, I Romeo Dobbs could be good in the future. Alan Lazard is like serviceable. Christian Watson is, you know, generously a a, a project. I I just don't know what they have there in the, in the receiver core. Yeah, and neither do they. And we know what we have after this. It's more of this show. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. And don't forget, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Steelers and Dolphins and our Sunday night seven contest. Denny, yeah, it's a crazy week on waivers where I feel like we're having to discuss a lot of like kind of like barely there entities or things that players who that could become entities, but like even more projection 
require than usual. One situation there is the Rams' backfield and Kyron Williams, rookie Kyron Williams, perhaps coming back after the Rams' week seven bye. Where we got the first game of the post-Cam Akers era, which we didn't know was a thing until Friday. Just like, okay, Cam Akers never playing for the Rams again, sure. Okay. Uh, that makes sense because this is the NFL and weird stuff like this happens all the time. But Dale Henderson in that game, 14 touches, his most since week one, but just a really, really disappointing total in light of the fact that Cam right. Akers is out. They're 10.5-point home favorites. They covered that monstrous spread, like the most game script, game fr- running game-friendly game script you'll ever see, and he still only gets 14 touches. They get carries to four different wide receivers. Right. They literally had someone named Ronnie getting the ball. Ronnie they? Rivers, man. Come on. Someone named Ronnie getting some carries. Um, you gotta if you can't monopolize touches from a guy named Ronnie, like I don't even know what to do. Well, I, look, uh talk about a specter. You want to talk about specters? Malcolm Brown is is a specter. Oh no. <laughs> Lo- looming oh. over the Rams backfield. <laughs> well, no, tell us about the other the, we want to hear about the good specter, Kyron Williams. Tell us about the bad specter first. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I mean Malcolm Malcolm Brown took 16 snaps. Uh he ran he only ran four routes to 22 routes for Henderson, but Henderson, yeah, I mean, he wasn't wasn't really involved in a game where it, like you said, it's set up for him to do quite well. Uh, Kyron Williams, the last we heard of Kyron Williams, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported like an hour before the season opener against the uh, Bills that Kyron Williams was going to be uh, involved in the uh, you know Rams backfield rotation, and then he immediately uh, suffered such an extreme ankle sprain that it required surgery. Which I, I have never heard of, but but it was that it was that bad. Uh, he's been out since week one. Uh, he could be back after the Rams bye week in week seven. I think you know now is the time to scoop him up for basically nothing. You know, I mean, I can't imagine you're going to have to spend more than like a dollar or two. A free agent budget. You don't have to prioritize him if you if you don't have a free agent budget anyway. He'll be there. Uh, scoop him up and see and see how it unfolds because. If we know one thing about Daryl Henderson is that he's guaranteed nothing in this backfield and that Sean McVay has long had reservations about Henderson as some sort of workhorse with the Rams. Yeah, he won't commit to Henderson. He would never commit to Malcolm Brown. He's like anyone else. He loves the specter of unknown upside. Kyron Williams offers that. It is weird. There still have not been like any concrete updates on his health. Um, I think the original sort of belief was that he would return after this bye week. Yeah, the, it, it, the original time frame was six to eight weeks. There has been nothing uh, definitive to that effect, though. And we, we might not really get any word on it till next Monday when they come back off by Sean McVay talks to the media. But if Kyron Williams, if you were in running back hell, which I, mean, I started Tevin Coleman in a 12-team league yesterday, Denny. Oh, um, yeah. yeah th- th- that one was exceptionally bad. But it was an industry league. Um, you, you so everyone, everyone's already rostered, including Kyron Williams. Um, yeah, if you were in a real bad running back situation, I would do. I would. I would. I would even pony up a little fab. Wouldn't even try to do a zero dollar bid. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try to get Kyron Williams on my fantasy yeah. team. Uh, and, and you know, for those who are might be unfamiliar, uh, Kyron Williams had uh, over twenty one hundred rushing yards in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one at Notre Dame. Uh, seven. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 27 rushing touchdowns, uh, four receiving touchdowns over those two seasons as starter for Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, he has uh, a, a productive history. 
Uh, I think you could do worse than than stashing him, especially if you have a, a somewhat deep bench where you're just looking looking for ways to best utilize um, the, those spots. You know, forget about your backup tight end. Forget about your backup. You're looking to whatever. get Eric Saubert off your roster. Forget about yes, yes. Let, let's 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 right now is the time to really stock up on running backs who could like just one day. Oh, this guy stumbled into 20 touches a week. Uh, Kyron Williams is, is that kind of guy. Yeah. Absolute perfect bench stash. Denny, the next situation we're going to talk about Colts receivers, right? I said, let's talk about Alec Pierce. We said, let's talk about Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell. Yeah. Like speaking of bench stash, it's like I drafted Paris Campbell in almost every league. And then two or three weeks pass by to begin the season. He does basically nothing. I had to admit defeat. He had a huge, I think seven catches and 11 targets. I mean, part of this seems to be game plan specific where the Colts without Jonathan Taylor, without Naeem Hines, were like, we're just going to pass every play. And that rising tide lifted all boats for the Colts passing attack on Sunday. But what do you want to say about the Colts passing attack? It's this, that they, first of all, they ran a hurry up offense for much of the game. Uh, against the Jags, of course, they were they were playing from behind somehow. I don't really know how, but they were, and uh, and and Matt Ryan got the ball out more quickly than he has at any point in this season. Um, he it was uh, only three quarterbacks averaged uh, less time per drop back uh, than Matt Ryan this week. It was like I said, quickest of his short Colts career, and and it resulted in a bunch of short targets, including. 10 to Deion Jackson, the running back who was your favorite in. player. I've noticed huh? <laughs> Deion Jackson, 10 catches on 10 targets. Unbelievable. Uh, you have 11 targets for the previously unheard of unseen and in, completely invisible Paris Campbell. He had, had, had yet the top four targets in a game this season. The thing is with Paris Campbell, he has been running. He has had strong route participation this whole season, right? And and against the Jags, uh, he ran 100%. Uh, he had 100% route participation along with Michael Pittman, who was also, uh, what, what is it? Uh, who also had saw a ton of targets, 16 targets, I believe. Uh, Alec Pierce is the loser in this situation. I'm sure he's a fine guy, but in this situation, he is the loser and that he only saw seven targets. He was somewhat of a rotational player, only played 70%, uh, only ran around on 70% of Matt Ryan's drop back. So if this continues, this quick hitting approach, good for Campbell, good for whoever's at running back for the Colts, good obviously for Pittman, not so great for Alec Pierce. I, I think this is maybe kind of a blip for the Jags and just like trying to survive without Jonathan Taylor and just the classic trying to have the short passing game substitute for the running game. And I, I actually yeah. think people should still be trying to add Alec Pierce despite that was interesting usage, but I think like, whereas everyone else, everyone else's usage changed for like the special game plan. Like he played his normal role and his normal role still produced 49 yards, a touchdown, seven targets, a solid total. Mm-hmm. He's cleared 60 yards in three of his past four games. Uh, he's, he's averaging like seven targets a game over the past month. He's doing some genuine work on the outside on the boundary and he's not he's not especially in PPR leagues he's not gonna be like a PPR star no he's like a four catch deep threat guy but I think it'll be fairly decent touchdown odds at least for Alec see not a ton of ceiling but I think he actually does have a decent floor I think he has a pretty solidified role I mean if the the Colts were smart they actually would stick with the approach they had against the Jaguars 
And like Jonathan Taylor, you're talking a guy. You maybe if you've given Deion Jackson ten targets, maybe give Jonathan Taylor ten targets and see what happens. I, like he, I, we were wondering about that. Me and Pat Crane were talking about that. Why? It, why not? Because he could gain like one yard on nine of them, and then the tenth is where he scores a ninety-yard touchdown, and it's all worth it. Um, yeah. So like, if you're gonna do that with Deion Jackson, why not do that with Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. I, well, I I think that sometimes offenses. I'm trying not to get too far afield here, but offenses become uh, weighed down by the expectation that they're going to use a special back. No, yeah. You know, like no, like they, 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 the, the responsibility or the expectation to like feed this guy no matter what uh, creates a, like, you know, a, a negative EV situation for the whole offense. We've seen this for years with Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. I sometimes don't think too, we've seen like too much specialization where like, you see a situation like we got to get Naeem Hines on the field when there's just really no reason to take Jonathan Taylor off the field. Right. There just isn't. Why not? And uh, you see the same, the Buffalo Bills last year insisted on a three-man running back rotation. They finally cut it down to one in Devin Singletary. And even though he's not a great player, they finally had a good backfield approach. And then what do they do? They immediately come back and make it like a three-man backfield again. And it's not a good backfield again. And teams, the some there really is something to be said for simplification, not having to have like so many different offensive packages, like, well, Zach Moss is in the game. So now we got to do this package. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of ranting here. I, no, no. I mean, it, it, basically offenses get bogged down with this stuff. Hopefully the Colts will keep this up because it was really, really good for fantasy. It created, it generated so much volume uh, and made so many more Colts interesting for fantasy including Kylan Granson, the tight end, including, of course, uh, uh, Paris Campbell, who was who was completely off the radar before this game. And not to mention it worked, and they got the victory. And yeah. the Colts, man, I, you could probably give the average like viewer like 10 guesses for the Colts record. I don't know if they would know that they were over 500. But That's they unbelievable. Are. They're 3-2-1. They beat um, the Chiefs. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs somehow. And uh, yeah, interesting team. Interesting so, team. Anyway, about the waiver wire stuff. Now, oh, yeah, yeah waiver. Yeah, sure. real, real quick, P- Paris Campbell, I think, is now uh, I kind of want to say Paris Campbell is a priority in PPR leagues because he's going to get so much of that underneath and intermediate stuff. Um, I, I was excited about Alec Pierce. I wrote about him very excitedly, actually, in last week's column. He's not a bad pickup. I just, I just think that his his opportunity to break big plays is going to be limited if they indeed stick with this uh, formula that that worked. And you know, maybe that's a big assumption, um, but but it, but if I'm right, then it's it's going to be Campbell who benefits. I think you're kind of right either way because it's just like no matter what the approach is, he's going to be a specialized player on the outside, and that I have to try to remember too that even though he's a good player, he's making some big plays. Like the, the the upside just it, he he's a role player both in real life and in fantasy. He should be rostered probably Alec Pierce, but he's like a strict role player. Yeah, maybe try to play him when the matchup looks nice and hope he gets a a a, a tutter, quote unquote. <laughs> can um, we can we stop saying tutter? <laughs> please. <laughs> well, yeah, we we probably should. Begging uh, you. So horribly unpleasant word. Oh God, it, it hurts my ears. It's just horribly unpleasant word. We got a few minor players left to talk about here. Who, who do you want to talk about first? Ben Skrownick, Cade Otten, or Tyquan Thornton? Denny? Folks, we're talking about Cade Otten, and <laughs> here's why. 
I mean, seriously, K. Dutton is in such a good spot for fantasy. Uh, Cam Brait, of course, uh, suffered a neck injury, was stretchered off the field against the Steelers. He reportedly does not have any uh, damage or broken bones in, in the neck, but I, I think we can expect that he'll be out for, for a bit. Especially since um, he was just concussed uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, man, it's it's, it's scary for Braid, and uh, I hope that the Bucks do the do the right thing by him. Uh, so Otten stepped in in week five against Atlanta and like had had like a beautiful had beautiful usage, uh, big beautiful usage against the Falcons. Uh, I was hoping you'd say it. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't not say it. I'm contractually contractually obligated. Uh, so yeah, he he ran around on basically every Tom Brady uh, drop back. Um, he saw seven targets. Uh, you know, it's it just it worked out perfectly. I think that we'll con- continue to see that now. You know, K. Dotton is not particularly efficient. His yards per route run is under one. Uh, you know, so it's 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 not like he's going to set the world on fire. But man, in PPR leagues, you're talking, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine targets, something in that range. Maybe he falls into a touchdown, maybe not. But I think that he has enough of a floor to be really interesting for 12-team leagues. I, I'm writing in my column for, for tomorrow, a waiver column, that his Kate Otten's fantasy situation is so different and so much more positive than Kyle Pitt's situation. I would, if Braid, if Braid is out, if Braid is out, I would lean Otten over Pitts. Dear God. Yeah. Dear, I don't take pleasure in saying that. Dear God. Um, Tyquan Thornton, is there anything there? Talk about Wandale Robinson. It's yeah. a second rounder who delivered. Tyquan Thornton finally gets on the field. He scores a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Is there anything there with Tyquan Thornton? Or is there just like too much rotation in the Patriots offense, including quarterback uncertainty? Yeah, right. And 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 Thornton didn't run a route until Kendrick Bourne left the game. Uh, he then ran around on uh, 26 of 36 dropbacks for New England. Devontae Parker and Jacoby Myers were ahead of him uh, in in routes run. I mean, Thornton is, you know, by far the most explosive Patriots receiver. Um, you know, four catches, 37 yards, a touchdown. Like you said, he had three three carries, um, 16 yards and in, in, uh, in a rushing score. Uh you know, being targeted five times on just 26 routes is pretty strong. I mean, I, I think it, I think it shows a, a guy demonstrates a guy who can command targets, who, who can like, like will targets to in his direction. I do think that if his, if he is going to ascend in this offense, it becomes an issue for Jacoby Myers, who has feasted on targets. Uh, one of the highest, uh, what we call whoppers in the league weighted opportunity rating. Uh, and because, because, you know, but there's really just no one else to throw to. I, I think, I think Bailey's app, I don't know who, whoever, whoever's the quarterback here is going to feel compelled to throw to Ty, Tyquan Thornton going forward. And Thornton could be a savvy pickup. I'd say in 14 team leagues, I really think the nature of this new England offense is not going to lend itself to like plug and play status for Thornton. I think you can maybe take a flyer in 12-team leagues just based on the principle. Yeah. He's a second-rounder that clearly really valued. He does make an instant impression. Maybe he can earn more touches, but I, I for all the reasons you laid out, uh, it, it's pro- it's a stretch that he's going to become like a reliable like weekly option for yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think that there's also a scenario. I could talk myself into Thornton becoming the wide receiver one for this team. 
um, he was really impressive in the preseason and uh, and and in training camp, the re- beat reporters and coaches were raving about not just his downfield speed. I mean, he's not just a guy who runs fast in a straight line. Like he he's like a legit receiver, and I and I think that whoever's the quarterback for the Patriots is going is going to be in a position where they're like, where's Tyquan? So he's a legit receiver. This is a legit show, which is why we're not going to really talk about Ben Skronik. He's cleared forty yards in three or four games, five well, catches, I think. Pass um, heavy, pass heavy offense. He's running all the routes. That's that's what he has going for him. There. But now Allen Robinson's back. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> uh, he, he has a good game. Uh, he, he did. He did have a good. It should it should have been better, like you said in your column. Should have been a second touchdown, but he yeah, got he interfered got, with. Yeah, blatantly interfered with, and the ref swallowed the whistle for the first time in like a month. They didn't yes. call a penalty. Uh, so. Yeah, if he had been Tom Brady running around, I bet you would have called a penalty. Uh, you ever right. think about that, ref? Um, his not. response is no. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, fair, fair. fair point. Uh, very fair point that it's time to end the show. Uh, Denny's got the waivers column coming out on Tuesday. He has his waivers Q&A at 1 p.m. Eastern on the NFL and NBC YouTube page on Tuesday. I'll have my initial rankings up in our season pass tool on Tuesday. Be back with another podcast with Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. We've all got stuff going up all week at the site, but check out the waiver column. Check out our, all of our shows. Just check out everything we do. For Denny, I'm Pat. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.